0: only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 284 of the big show. Submit Forcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Well, folks, the time is here. It is Sunday as you're sitting here. Sitting there uh, drinking your coffee and eating your Eggo waffles and looking out the window. Look up. And that big jet airliner that's flying over your head. Darren is over top. On my way. As you're listening to this. To Las Vegas, the city of sin. The city that never sleeps. Yes, the neon jungle awaits me. I will be gone for ten days. Never mind your little three day trips. That's amateur stuff. To Las Vegas. Two weeks, man. We're going at it, road warrior style. It's going to be great, and um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Idea. Why don't you give me half the money you were going to bet, and we'll go out back, I'll kick you in the nuts, and we'll call it a day. Yeah, that pretty much uh, that pretty much summed up last year's trip. I think I got kicked in the nuts twice last year. Um, But yes, through the power of scheduling, as you're listening to this, I am gone on vacation. Um, So, and if you're listening to this on Monday, well, at that point, I'm probably hung over in the hotel room. (laughs) Um, Hopefully, I have a few bucks in my wallet. But I'm not holding out too much hope. Um, Hey, guys, how's it going? Uh, Yes. Um, Well... So as, uh, like I said, I'm going to be gone for a couple weeks. Uh, but like a good teammate, I am not going to let you down. I have some episodes in the can. Of course, as, as I'm recording this and talking to you right now, it is Friday the 17th. So in my mind, this is my plan. And I'm hoping to come, I'm hoping it'll come true. I got a day and a half to do it. Um, of course, this is Sunday's episode that you're listening to. Wednesday, I'm going to have the interview I did with Chris, old Y2J, for you message board folks. And we break down one of the most iconic fight rival, rivalries in history, uh, Ty Domi versus Rob Ray. And of course, Chris lived in Buffalo at the time and witnessed many of the battles live and got to know both guys through his job and talking to them. Um, and he has a little, he has some side stories and stuff like that. It was a lot of fun. I enjoy having Chris on the show. Regardless of whatever we're talking about, but this one is sort of near and dear to his heart He was a big fan of uh, of the rivalry a big fan of both guys And uh, so he was really into it documented it um, They fought 14 times 13 of which are on video um, That is actually my project for tonight Hopefully it works. I am going to upload Chris had sent me a DVD a while ago And that's exactly what it was. It was the tied tied only Rob Ray feud and uh, oh and it had the angle from this Buffalo feed, the angle from the Toronto feed, the news footage, I mean, uh, for each fight, and on and on, and I mean, it's tremendous, like totally in-depth, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, my goal tonight is to edit edit the 13 fights, um, sorry Chris, I'm going to break it down to, you know, just uh, single versions of each fight, run them all together, and put them up on my YouTube channel, so when you're listening to the episode, you can... Go to the YouTube channel and follow along with the fights that we're talking about. Um, that is the plan. I'm hoping to be able to do that. I know I've I should have actually got on this weeks ago to get get this done, but it actually kind of slipped my mind. Um, but regardless, that will be Wednesday's episode as Chris and I are talking about that feud. Um, then next Sunday I'm probably I'm gonna skip. I won't have an episode, and then next Wednesday I am gonna do the Mount Rushmore episode. Um, and that was when I went to social media a few weeks back and asked for, just as it sounds, the tough guy Mount Rushmore of each NHL franchise. Um, so the each, who you guys figure the four toughest guys on each team's history were. And, uh, I had about 40 some, maybe 50 entries. Uh, there are two different emails and a whole bunch of direct messages. And I didn't read them all. I just sort of, I answered a couple of them, like just, hey, thanks for voting, whatever. Um, but not all of them. Uh, my, in my brief counting, Adding them up, it was about I think forty some, almost fifty. Um, so I, I will go through them. Um, I mean, I'm I'm sure a lot of them will have like similar couple names, and then there might be a couple two wild card names. But uh, I'll go over each of them, see see uh, you know the voting, and uh, that will be next Wednesday's episode, and uh, and then uh, I'm home on uh, Friday. The what is it? The third. I get home. And so I will be here for Sundays, for that Sunday's episode. This will probably be, obviously, my Vegas in Review episode and talk to you. I'm sure some shenanigans will happen while I'm down there. Uh, foolishness always seems to find me somehow. And uh, hopefully I have a couple, a couple stories for you. I'd like to tell you about all my winnings. Hopefully that happens. We'll see. But, um, yeah, that's what's going on here. So, but I have to, I haven't done the Mount Rushmore, the Chris and I, that, that, that part, that, I've had that episode done for uh, weeks now. Um, the Mount Rushmore one, I'm going to have to record tonight. Um, or, and then probably into maybe tomorrow morning. Um, so I'm hoping, uh, knock, knock on what everything works out here. But, uh, yes, what are we going to talk about today? Well, uh, first of all, I want to, I want to say, um, for those, a few folks asking, um, what happened to Wednesday's episode? Last I didn't have one. Um, I interviewed a player on Tuesday night, and uh, we ran late, and that because that was going to be my Wednesday episode. But we we talked for a lot, like two and a two and two hours, um, and then I didn't have a chance to do my intro and late, the ad reads and stuff. So I was going to do that Wednesday after work and put it up kind of Wednesday at around four o'clock. Um, when I got home and checked. Um, the audio actually wasn't all that great on his end. And I know he wasn't really happy with the interview. Uh, so we decided to actually scrap it. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's why there was no episode on Wednesday. So, um, and then I didn't have, like, again, I, I was busy thinking about, and I didn't want to do, like, the Mount Rushmore episode to fill in for it or anything, because it's like, well, then what do I have when I'm gone for Vegas, in Vegas? So, um, I just decided to just, you know, no Wednesday episode, and, uh, you know, I will give you some of these. So, I apologize for not being around Wednesday, but that was the scoop. So, um, yes. But here I here I am now. Some might say I should stay gone. We'll, you know how it is. Um, but let's get into this. Like I said, um, I'm trying to wrap up, like, to do three episodes in a day and a half here. So, um, I'm not going to, this episode isn't going to be hours long, um, but... Um, a few things we're going to talk about, uh, of course my week on the internet, uh, I'm going to talk about that, some of the, the goofiness that happens in these fight groups and topics that come up that are head shaking and my interactions with a few folks. Um, I have a couple of questions and, uh, I had a few guys send me some questions, um, and I will answer those. Um, and, uh, we're going to do a player spotlight folks. And it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting one. Um, link Gates, the missing link. That's right. Um, I I always it, it's funny when you talk to people because um, you know he played so long in the in the Quebec League and bounced around and I mean you get you go to HockeyDB and check out his profile. It's like you get carpal tunnel just uh, you know scrolling down. He played on so many teams, um, but when you actually go through the numbers and break it down, he only played sixty five NHL games. And had 27 fights. And we're going to talk about them. Um, I'll get into. Yeah. So we'll get into Link. And, and all that stuff. But. Uh, you know. Before we. Before we get rolling. As I said. i a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. Over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams. Are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of. There's a show for you. Um, for my off network friends. Of course. i got. Uh, Joel and Joel Lazito, uh, Over there. At. Uh, Nordique's Knuckles Podcast. And. Uh. Joe just released an episode, it's actually a uh, re-release, um, it's his story of the day that Joe Lazito went toe-to-toe with a literal serial killer on the on the New York subway, and won. And, uh, and that's a true story, folks, that's a shoot. And, uh, definitely, just type, just go to Google and type in Joe Lazito, it'll come up. And, uh, he's written a book about it, and, uh, and I've had him on my show way back when and we talked about it, and, uh... And uh, he revisits that uh, as the anniversary comes up, and um, yeah, definitely check out uh, check out Joe's episode as well as his back catalog. Ignore that plane flying over right now if you can hear it. Um, that's not me, I'm not recording this on the plane, I'm still in my basement. Um, but yes, Joe, check out his show. It, like I said, it's the Nordiques Knuckles podcast. Uh, he just started up, he formerly was doing an Islander podcast, Coliseum Chronicles. And uh and now he's moved on to the Quebec Nordiques and uh and he has had uh, Ken McCray on, Brett Severin, uh Trevor Steinberg, uh so definitely check it out. Dave Marcination and uh Joe does a great job, good dude, and uh check out his uh his story of like I said, taking on the serial killer. Yeah. Bad as fuck right there, man. That's bad one of the baddest dudes going. Yep. Uh, Joe, I'm going to tell you, it, it it was a good thing you still didn't have that uh, that Canadian beaver tail. He might have got a hold of that. It could have been it could have been bad news. But uh, Joe's the man, right there. So check out that episode. And then, of course, I have I always keep wanting to talk about old uh, Five for Fighting, but he retired on me. I keep uh, I keep waiting for the Brett Favre like comeback, but uh, I think that's it. Um, but you can still check out his back catalog, old Alec, there at the Five for Fighting podcast. Um, he's retired the podcast, but it's still up and on the platforms. I encourage you to check out his back catalog. Tremendous guests. And, uh, and then last, but certainly not least, uh, my boy, out the Maritimes. I got to come up with a nickname for him, but Jordan, uh, of course he is also a member of the, uh, the hockey podcast network. Uh, they'll just let anybody on that network apparently. Um, but, uh, he is new to the game and, uh, he does five in a five-in-a-game podcast, and it's basically um, uh, a look back at the tough guys of the Quebec Junior League, really focusing on the 90s and early 2000s. A couple of LNAH guys as well. Um, that was right in Jordan's wheelhouse. He's out in Cape Breton, so, of course, he saw a lot of Screaming Eagles games. Um, that's uh, I've had him on the show, and we had a lot of fun talking about that back in the day, about the Quebec League guys, and uh, he decided to make a podcast out of it. I don't know what, holy, I I. I I gave him too many ideas, folks. But I was talking to him today, actually. Um, Yeah, and I mean, he's, 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 uh, I will say, and I I even, I apologize to him for this. Um, I get, I'm old and bitter fuck. And I mean, um, my time for podcasting is, I'm on, I'm in, let's put it this way, I'm on the, I'm on the back nine of my podcasting career. And, um, and I'm pretty frustrated with the whole thing. And, um, for any long-term listeners, I, I, you already know that I'm not going to go into it, um, because I have a million times on this show. Um, but Jordan just starting out. Of course, he's he's enthusiastic. He's really on the ball, and he's got some great interviews. And I'm not going to throw out names, but he's already interviewed like six or seven guys that he has like in the can already done because he's going to go work. Because that's the thing. He lives in Cape Breton, but he goes back to uh, Western Canada went for sh- like he's off on shutdown right now. So. Uh, laid off, and he's going to go back to work here right away, so of course, you know, those guys, the rigs and stuff, they put in hours, right, so it's not like, oh, I'll just call you whenever, we'll slap out an interview while I'm up here on the rig, but no, so uh, he wanted to really be prepared when he went out there to kind of have something ready, like I'm doing, you know, when I leave, right, schedule an episode, so um, yeah, the names he's got are outstanding, I'm really happy some of the guys, that, it was funny, some of the guys that he has interviewed... Um, I'm glad they showed up for him, because they didn't show up for me, yeah, I had a couple of them that ghosted me, but they managed to, he managed to wrangle them on the phone, so that's good, because they're gonna be, they will probably be good interviews, because that's why I, I tried getting them in the first place, um, but we were just talking about that, and I was kinda being sour about it and stuff, and actually I apologize to him, I'm like, yeah man, sorry, I just sound like a giant bitch, to be completely honest, so, um, it's just, you get pretty bitter at the way you get treated sometimes. And uh, I I look I, I will say, I, I'm probably holding a grudge against a few guys, but uh, not a grudge, but just sort of like, you know, like, ah, oh, fuck, whatever, dude, you know. Um, but I'm glad it's, in all seriousness, though, I'm glad it's working out for him. He does a great job, and those interviews are going to be awesome. Um, there's a couple of them, um, well, one in particular that uh, I know uh, he's working that is going to be... It's, I've never, I don't think he's done an interview, uh, a podcast, so, uh, well, he, I think he did a, I think he might have done a French one, but yeah, that's about it, but I'm really looking forward to that interview, so, um, but yeah, and Jordan's passionate about it, and he knows his shit, and uh, good dude, and uh, yeah, so it, it's cool to see um, kind of his enthusiasm and his early success, so, um, you know, so uh, definitely check out Five and a Game podcast. But, uh, all right, folks, let's get into this, shall we? Um, all right, where should we start? Um, sorry, just had to stop, stop, stop. Amazon packages. Um, well, we'll start with my my week on the internet. Um, I've been actually trying to get a lot of shit done at work and stuff like that. And I've been going to the post office left and right here, folks. Yes, folks, your packages are coming. Um, um, I, I laugh. I I'm, I'm I send a package to Iowa in Nowhere Iowa, Mud Show Iowa, and it cost me like twenty six dollars this huge box of shit. And then I send a hat to Quebec and it costs twenty eight. How does that figure? Yeah, oh Canada Post, we do it to ourselves, don't we? Um but anyway, my week on the internet. Um Well I will say the uh once again, once again the the, the Facebook uh, fight group um, has given me more uh, content. Um, of course, this joker he puts up, his his post was, uh, Probert might be the goat, but damn near every A-plus level guy he fought gave him problems. That was this guy's statement. So first of all, Mr. Sean Jackson, that was tremendous Um Trolling on your part. I will say of course it ends up with 167 comments. So it was strong I mean, there you go. You got your desired effect Um, I'm I'm not not really I I mean, I don't really understand the statement Uh, like I mean I think it's just a trolling exercise because it's um, I mean if you're fighting top-level guys You should have problems with them um See, that's the thing, and I will say with Probert, and he brings it up, and like, a bunch of people say that. I mean, well, if you're fighting um, top-level guys, they're going to be good fights, because that's why people are in top-level. Of course, he replies, like, name even two A-plus-level guys Probert dominated in a series that had at least two fights. Okay, well, I mean... Like, okay, like he says, well, for example, Brashear whipped McCarthy, whipped McSorley, and whipped Domi. Um, I mean, I don't know. Probert, like, dom- who did he What A-level guys did he dominate? And, well, uh, I don't know. Like, Domi, <laughs> McSorley. Um, the guys that you just named, McSorley, Domi, um, Darren Kimball. uh, well, I guess Dave Brown, they only had really the one fight. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, 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 get where he's, what he's saying. Um, so, and then it's like, well, what else did he put? Like, uh, Twist, Brashear, Coaster, etc. A lot of top guys gave him problems and there's more than what I listed. Um, yeah, I mean, I and I think this the and and somebody brings this up to him, um. Yeah, well, a lot of top guys gave him problems because they're top guys. He was human. He's not going to KO everybody. Nobody claimed that he destroyed them all. Um, that's exactly true. And and I and I think a lot of people, especially the, you know, uh, I mean, the Probert fanboys and everything else. But I mean, let's be completely honest. It's like, yeah, I mean, Probert fought everybody and whatever and out, you know, maybe out-punched him and everything else. But, I mean, at the end of the day, he wasn't a Terminator. Like, I mean, some people talk like he was, like he walked on water and never lost. And, yeah, I mean, he lost... Well, I don't want to say he lost a lot. He didn't lose a lot. But, I mean, Probert lost fights and got out-punched sometimes. And, you know, uh, know, did he get completely dominated and destroyed? Not very often. But, I mean, he got out-punched like everybody else. I mean... You know, I mean, you might. Have, uh, I mean, in my mind, when I'm like I've I've said when I when I judge fights and stuff, I mean, I'm probably not the best guy because I'm not going to give you a lot of win losses. To me, most hockey fights are draws, really. I mean, just because you outlanded some guy six punches to three, winner? Oh, he won. He won. Well, okay, like mm, I guess. But to me, it's like to me to give a guy a win, you you have to control a fight or completely out punch more. Of course, drop him or overwhelm him. But, for the most part, give and take and and a lot of guys, the way they fought, they set stuff up, so I mean they'd yeah, they'd maybe lean back and take a couple or turn their head and take a couple on the side of the helmet or you know or whatever or block it and I mean kind of get hit in the shoulder a little bit and then and then maybe fire one and and then kind of reset and like kind of basically some guy and I've had them on the show, and they've talked about it they've talked about they were counter punchers, they like to kind of let the guy go and then they'd come back and Okay, so visually, if you're watching it, and you're just like, oh, see, this guy's just like, he's throwing more. Well, yeah, but the guy's setting him up, and it's like, but if you're a setup guy, and you're taking a couple, and you throw one, and then you take a couple, and then all of a sudden the refs get in right away. You get a Kevin Collins that jumps in early. Oh, yeah, well, no, that guy lost, see? Well, okay, like, you see what I mean? Like it's it's not like it's boxing where okay the clock's gonna run for three minutes around and you're gonna go twelve rounds so you can maybe sit back and wait and rope a dope and stuff right like you know but in, in hockey it's all up to the, how long are the linesmen gonna let you fight for so there's no bell or the, and I think a lot of people I think they look at, sometimes it's like they look at fighting like it's boxing or or UFC like it's like oh we have rounds and. They're going to go for 30 seconds and, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, well, no. You know, like like even the other night, I put up a Tanner Glass-John Morasti fight from the BC League. And this guy's going, he goes, oh, it's funny that when they get the, when the guy pulls the jersey over Morasti's head, they don't break it up. But as soon as Morasti gets his arm out and starts hitting him, they break it up right away. Well, it's like, well, first, and the, see, there's a perfect example. First of all, if you go and watch the video I put up, Morastis jersey never comes over his head. He's tied down. His tie-down's really long, but he's tied down. The jersey comes up around his back of his head, but it's a sh- But he gets he pulls his arm out of his sleeve and then starts firing at glass. Well, yeah, his ar- it, at that point they've already fought for 45 seconds. It was a pretty even fight. But, you know, Morasti's, now Morasti's starting to take over and kind of really land some shots. And the refs get in there. Actually, I replied, I said, I actually thought the linesmen did a really good job in this fight. They let him fight. They let it get him out of, they let it get it up. They, easy for you to say. Try this again. Take two. They let them get it out of their system. And, uh, but then once Morasti gained the advantage of getting his arm out of his sleeve, they got in right away. So I actually thought they did a good job. But, uh, point being, um, they let that one go. But if they had jumped in early, it would have been, oh, C-Class beat them, you know, and like, okay, well, Morasti was setting it up, right? Like, go watch the fight you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, so, so for guys that were like slow starters and stuff, yeah, sometimes they got caught like that. And of course, then on these fight boards, oh, their win-loss record isn't as good. So, and that ridiculous nature and that ridiculous stuff. So, um, oh, no, Stu Grimson. There's a guy I would say that, that, uh, Probert kind of had a, his number. Wendell Clark. There's another one, you know, so I mean, yeah, I mean, once again, he's a, and I always sort of say it's like, well, at the end of the day, his peers put Probert in that rarefied error as one of the top guys. Um, so, I mean, that's all you need to know is if your peers say it, the guys that actually fought him. Well, there you go. Um, uh, I'm just, I'm just sort of scrolling. Um, But the the point of this, um, uh, well, and then the other thing, and of course, it always comes down to like, yeah, but Prober was an all star, you know, and oh, I'm gonna, and then of course, somebody else goes, oh, so and so, and he actually won two cups, and blah. Well, I, I, what does that have to do with fighting ability? Which I'm going to get to here shortly. As it's like, it's amazing how people cannot stay on task; they just gotta veer off. Yeah, but here, same guy here. But for a guy that is supposedly to be unanimously, clearly the best, he should have been able to do more to separate himself from those guys. Yeah, but who is un- uh, unanimously and saying he's clearly the best? I mean, other than some, like, little fanboys that wave palm palms. I mean, I've said even when I'm doing my all-time list, I mean, the difference between Probert and Dave Brown or uh, LaRock or a... Uh, you know, Ben Wilson is literally razor thin. Like, and at that point, and that was my reply to him. I'm like, well, uh, it's all opinion. Like I said, you could. I've always said that you could put up a fight video online, and you'll get ten different answers to the same fight. And you all watch the same fight, but it's like you'll read some of these guys' description of the fight, and it's like, did you do you have a different angle of it, or did I'm am I did I watch with one eye open, or like what fight did you just watch? You know, so it's the same thing. And of course, if if Bobby's their favoriteist, I mean, they're gonna be completely, you know, they got blinders on and can't see through the rose colored glasses anyway. So I mean. Uh, at the end of the day, it's it, it's opinion and, and, and whatever. And it's like, yeah, well, Bob did play regular shift. Well, Twist played like four minutes. Well, again, that has not... I mean, I get what you're saying, but I mean, that really has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But, okay. Um, yeah, but... I'm not a huge Probert fan, but even the best are going to struggle against other great fighters. I know, but if Probert's supposed to be clear, clearly be the best, he should have separated himself from the rest of the pack. See, again, this guy keeps harping on, well, he, everyone says he's clearly the best. Well, who is saying he's like, it's, it's Probert and everyone else is seven miles behind. I mean, the real idiot fanboys are saying that, but once again, I, knowledgeable, like sane hockey fans, fight fans don't say this. Or, like, Probert is a million miles ahead. It's Probert and everyone else is second. Like, no, it's like, no, same people don't talk like that. Um, yeah, people, normal fight fans are objective and have, can see both sides and, you know, they're not, they can, they let, they don't let their fandom sway and, you know what I mean? Like, like basically normal functioning adults, which in these fight groups is rare. Um, of course, this guy goes, Well, did he not? You ask 100 fans who the best is, and 70 80% are going to say Probert, Ali, Tyson, all the greats fought guys that gave him a hard time with. That's the beauty of fighting. Everyone has a puncher's chance. Well, that's true. Um, well, this was my reply to him. According Exactly. According to who? He was considered one of the best. It's not boxing. Win-loss records aren't kept, and it's a matter of opinion. Some say Probert. Others say Brown or Ben Wilson. Nobody is wrong. Nobody is right, as there is no way to prove any of it. He did separate himself from the pack and was in the upper rare era fighter. During his prime, nobody can dispute that. Yeah, so, I mean, he is up there amongst... There's a very few, and there is a pocket of guys. I mean, yes, at the end of the day, I mean, uh, Herb Ragland did drop Joe Coaster. I mean, there are... Now and again. But overall, there is a rare group of top echelon guys that could beat each other at any night. And, um, and that's just it. And I mean, um, it, it, it's, yeah, it's, I guess, I, 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 know, I don't know. Again, I don't know if this guy's just trying to troll and start shit. I mean, oh, well, he did start shit. I don't know if it was on purpose or if he legitimately thinks this way. Um, Like I said, normal people can have this discussion and, um, uh, Probert did dominate certain top guys and other guys like Bruby, Bruby always did really well against Probert. Um, you know, uh, I know he fought Brashear about nine times, he fought Coaster three times. Um, you know, it was pretty well back and forth. Um, you know, but those are rare air guys, which is exactly my point. Um. You know, but then like I, but then a guy like Chris Tamer catches Probert. I mean, I know Probert was disinterested or whatever, but nonetheless, Tamer gets the win um, or a more set. Um, so yeah, anything can happen at any time, right? So, you know, um, but then the point of all of this is old Timmy Clark jumps in. I'm going to first say he wasn't the goat. He was amazingly tough, and he didn't embarrass himself on the ice. The game changed in the early 80s when I, as I call them, dancing bears came into the league. Guys got bigger and teams couldn't afford the luxury of a hardcore enforcer. Well, no, that's exactly when the hardcore enforcer started. But okay, Tim, try to keep up. You and Twist, Coaster Baruby, the list goes on. Best of all time, oh, it's Gordie Howe. There was a reason nobody fucked with him. Oh, here we go. So, of course, right away, I'm like, I'm like, tractor beam, Gordie, LOL revisionist history and do and doing research his fighting ability has been greatly exaggerated over the years oh of course timmy comes back funny i'm betting you're still in diapers and never saw him play so let me educate you okay thanks tim here we go he played when there was only six teams the absolute best of the best the rivalry created between these six was a hundred times what you see today i will agree with that uh, trains and buses between games. No luxury flights. They played the game night in and night out against the very best, toughest players in the world. Mm, I think they still do, but okay. Something you will never experience, but keep running your mouth. Ask any Hall of Famer who played against Gordy. They'll tell you you don't fuck with number nine. Oh, I just love the condescension. The condescending attitude. Thanks, Timmy, with your little backhanded shots. Trains and buses. Because that apparently that's... That, that counts as your fighting ability is that you, you rode a train. Uh, okay. Um, you know, yeah, cause Probert wasn't playing in an era where the toughest guys, uh, toughest hockey fighters in the world weren't in the NHL. Oh, okay. You know, so my reply was, of course, blah, blah, blah. Grandpa said, sure, Tim, fiction can be fun. Tell me about this fight. Tell me about his fight with Lou Fontenotta. That's the only fight anyone ever talks about. Guy average one fight a year. But yeah, let's put him in the category of Probert, Ben Wilson, etc. Because he wrote a train. So yes, keep running your mouth and tell us all about it. Oh, Tim quickly snapped back with... His, he countered. He threw a counter right hand. Well, wow, I'm so glad you asked. Gordy never had to fight. I love that one. He didn't have to. They were scared of him. Oh, yeah. Gordy never had to fight. There was a reason. Like Makita and the boat brothers, nobody fucked with them. Explain that, by the way, Ben Wilson, he spelled Ben wrong, clarifies you're a joke. Oh, so I replied, Ben Wilson was a joke, LOL. Okay. Oh, yeah, nobody wanted to fight him. I love that one. Sure. Okay, then he replied, once again, he's right on the counter. Once again, the lesson begins. Wilson was hyped because of playing in the East, like O'Reilly, Ray, and many others. Just because the East Coast press says says it is, doesn't make it so. Oh, I love it. So, O'Reilly, Rob Ray, Ben Wilson, ah, nothing. East Coast Media. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I said, well, actually, video make it so, and so do other players. You seem to hold the word of players in high regard. Well, when they when they speak of Gordy, guys say it about Wilson. There's actually a very good video of Clark Gillies talking about him and being scared of him online. You just check it out. Um, an old Jack. Jack also replied to Tim here. Jack, you got the right idea. Howe's rep comes from fight from one fight with Fontenotto in the fifties, when How got into ninety five percent of his career fights. He suffered some bad losses in fights with Fern Flaman and Larry uh, Callahan and others. Funny how Gordy's fans never discuss his losses, and the reason no one messed with him in the sixties was because they would get carved up by Howe's stick if they did. Gordy's own son Marty backed this up when he said the Gordy How trick should really be a goal and assist and a cross check to the face, he told Luke Fox of SportsNet. That might be more accurate. I think Marty Howe knows Gordy better than you do. Of course Tim replies, Okay, you win. Gordy sucked and couldn't fight. Neither could Maurice Henry and Stan. That's why they all won cups and are in the Hall of Fame. And you've done what exactly? There we go. Tim's having a tantrum here. Yeah, because again, Hall of Fame means I don't know what that means to have to do with the fighting ability and the topic at hand. But once again, Timmy's uh stomping his feet. Don't, old man, don't fall down. Break a hip, old man. Um, Yeah, well, did we say Gordy sucked? I said his fighting was overrated. I didn't say he sucked. But okay. Of course, Jack comes back with, well, you're the one who said he was the best of all time and then became insulting and rude to anyone who didn't agree with you. Bottom line, Howe was one of the greatest players of all time and a solid fighter who could handle himself. But he never was the fighter that the hype makes him out to be. It's funny, you can insult great fighters like Ben Wilson, but if anyone questions one word you say about Howe, you start calling them names and acting like a five-year-old. And Howe would never have dropped the gloves with Ben Wilson. Gordy was smarter than that. Of course, Tim's only reply: dream on. Um, Yeah. Oh, he just loves how the us youngsters love pontificating on things you know absolutely nothing about, Tim. The way you're talking and going around and around in circles, you don't know your, you don't fucking know your ass from a hole in the ground. Um, but anyway, <clears throat> that was my that that the, the bit really has no ending. That was just the back and forth. Oh, Timmy goes and pouts some more, and um, I told him it's been great reading his fan fiction the last few days, and yeah. Um, Yeah, I, I don't, I, I really don't know what this guy, old Timmy's talking about. Um, oh, and of course, going back to the Probert thing, I'll say it until I'm blue in the face. Master of losing the jersey, huge advantage. Oh, well, thanks, Danny. Um, then somebody, yeah, I didn't like it. What's funny, if you look at all those big fights and wins, his jersey actually stayed tied down. Uh, well, like I always say with that, um. I said, well, it wasn't against the rules, and there's nothing stopping anyone else from doing it. Um, everyone had different tricks and jersey, jersey modifications. Which old Danny replies, "I know this with the shrug guy." I'm like, well, if you know this, why do you keep bringing it up? Like it. Oh, um, well, I'm gonna. Oh, I didn't realize he replied to me. I'm. I'm gonna keep bringing. I'm gonna keep bringing it up when some slappy comes on here and says he only lost three or four fights. Give me a break, even with the jersey coming off, he lost more than that. Well, see Danny, no, no one's saying he didn't, he, he only lost that many fights. I love these guys when they try to strengthen the argument by just like creating some, something out of fiction that they said. I'd love to meet they sometime. Um, uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, oh for Christ's sake, you're bringing up the lazy argument. Everyone in the 80s and 90s looked for an advantage. Players wore goalie jerseys, Velcro sleeve, Vaseline on jerseys. Come up with something new. Um, yeah, I am because it's fact. Wasn't nearly the same fighter when the tie-downs came in. Again, another fact, Rob Ray also. Well, see, that isn't a fact. Rob Ray actually got better when his jersey when the tie-down rule came in. Um, Danny, uh, you're talking out of your ass. It's not a fact. Um, yeah, it's yeah, whatever. I'll, I'll move on. I'm yammering now, circling the drain. But, yeah, anyway. Life on the internet, folks. Isn't it fun? And as someone brought up one time, why do you bother arguing with them? Well, for most of the time, I'm at work, and I'm basically, I'm really trying to kill time at work. So, um, when I get home... If you actually look at, like, my timestamp of when I post and, like, argue with old Timmy and stuff, it's, like, at noon and one in the, one in the afternoon during work. Um, when I actually get home at night, I don't really bother. I just sort of post pictures and... I don't argue really, so yeah, it's kind of a get out of work thing, (laughs) more or less. And now, a message from our sponsors. This time of year, everyone's talking about making big changes, which is all well and good, but most of the time, pretty unrealistic. I know myself, like most people, I'm going to work out more. (laughs) But I've actually found that the smallest changes to your routine can make the biggest impact. In the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be part of a big change. If it's something you use every day like my Raycons, Raycon is a premium audio at the perfect price point. You can build great habits without breaking the bank. Yeah, just throw them in your ears, jump on the treadmill, makes makes the workout go a lot quicker. You can listen to your favorite podcast, hashtag enforcer-based podcasting. Uh, but whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low-latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that'll last all night at your next party, Raycon's got you covered. And yes... Raycon started half the price of other premium audio brands. So you don't have to choose between products. You can get one of each or a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would with with some of the other guys. If you have multiple pairs of everyday earbuds, throw one in the gym bag. Throw one at your desk at work. Even if you know you'll love your Raycons as much as I do, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. The offer of buy now, pay later options. Every purchase has an easy and free return guaranteed. Yeah, I've always found, I've had numerous different earbuds over the years. And I always have trouble fitting my ear for some reason. But the Raycons, actually really good fit. And the best part is they are actually, and I know firsthand, they're actually sweat water and sweat resistant. Get ready to buy something small with big impact. Go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. A couple of questions that I had. Um, I'll just make it really quick and then we'll get into the Link Gates thing here. But um, um, I've had this question. And I mean, I, and I last time I think I answered this question on the show, I think I went on for about 20 minutes. Shocking, I ramble. Um, the guy was just talking about starting a podcast. Um, and should um, I always say, if someone asks me, to, should I start a podcast? I say no. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, um, I'll make this quick. Cause I know people are, you know, whatever. It's like, you already answered this. Um, um, if you're going to start a podcast, um, go for it. I mean, if, if it's a hobby and you're, and it's something you're passionate about, no matter what the topic is, um, I'm assuming you're, you're, I mean, if you're asking me, I mean, I'm assuming you want to start a hockey podcast. Um, I mean, if it's a fight podcast, I, I love it. I mean, you know, it's it's a niche thing. And, and it's really, it's just Joe, myself, and, and Jordan are really the only, air quotes, fight guys or fight podcasts. So yeah, more the merrier. I mean, and I think anytime you get a new voice and a new creator and a different voice and a different opinion um, and a different sound, so to speak, um, I think it's great. And, uh, you know, anything that creates more conversation um, to me is a positive. So if that's the way you're going to go, for sure, um but I, like I would say um uh if you're gonna do it um my my personal opinion, if you're gonna do it, do it right, I mean, there's a lot of guys that buy microphones and and then just hit record and bl- and they don't put any effort in like they don't put any research in and they and that's fine, you could do whatever you want um to me i'm I'm like uh, I guess. I guess, what are you doing it for? Do you want to just do it to just, cause you enjoy the hobby or whatever it is that you want to talk about and, and you don't really care if if 10 listen or a thousand listen. Um, some people start podcasts as a way to maybe try to, they, they think it's going to uh, give the, uh, it's a stepping stone to get into radio or get into sports broadcasting or whatever. And, and they have that dream. Other people, it's like I said, it's just to talk about their hobby and, for every once in a while and 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 that's cool too. Um if you're going to take it serious and you kind of want to to go somewhere or get taken seriously, um do the research. Um I always say that's the one thing with listeners. Uh, people can smell bullshit. They know when you don't know what you're talking about. Um you can only fool the people for so long and once I I think once people um realize that you're fake or you don't or you're full of shit or you don't know what you're talking about, they don't they won't listen um and again, I'm not sitting here saying like it's oh because I'm an expert they should I'm not saying that but um I would like to think when I do when I do a topic it's research and I when I do an interview um you know I'm so where did you play junior like you know I mean I know the teams I know their history I know the guys I mean I could talk to them I could bring up incidents and stuff I mean God knows there's more than one podcast when they interview players it's cringy. Like, did you just like pick this guy up and then just look at his hockey DB for three seconds and now you're going to do an interview? Like, it's they know nothing about the player, and to me, that's um, uh, you're just wasting this guy's time. And to me, it's completely inconsiderate and it's rude that um, that you would do. Like, I've I've I won't say the show, but this he the the, the player the ex player was talking about playing on this one team. The guy, oh, I didn't know you played there. Are you for real? Like did you do any research into this? Like it's embarrassing. And um but there are guys that will put that shit out. And uh, I mean the, the I mean the world's blessed with without self-awareness. So I mean okay, but I'm just you're asking me my opinion. Um know what you're talking about, do the research, take it seriously. Um and be consistent. If if you want to grow your show and because I mean when you when someone first starts out yeah no one's listening because you don't have an audience no one knows who you are um, unless you have built up a social media presence um, that's what I tried to do before I started the podcast I had a partner at the start um, we for we did it for three or four years we built up our so, our online presence again I'm not saying we rival Barstool or anything but we ended up we had a couple thousand followers on Twitter and stuff before we ever did episode one. So I had, a, I had a kind of had a little bit of a built-in audience, a little bit. Um, point being is if you just start everything and have no social media presence, and I'm going to do a podcast, hit record. Y- yeah, you're, it's going to take you a while to grow um, and be patient with it. It's, it takes time. You're not going to, you're not going to be rivaling spitting chiglets after week three. It's like, you know, I mean, if you're an ex player, that's a huge advantage, like Every ex-player and their dog has a show now. Well, yeah, they can just whip out their cell phone and go through their contacts, and they got a couple ex-NHL guys or whatever. Yeah, well, they're obviously an advantage. I'm speaking to this person because the guy asking me last time, I, ch- I don't think he- I know he didn't play in the NHL. Um, I don't think he played any like like he wasn't a pro player. So I'm going by that. I'm assuming you do not have a lot of pro players in your phone. So um, you're basically, you're starting at square one. Um, it's going to be a grind, be prepared. Um, but yeah, just keep grinding and consistency. Don't release an episode every three weeks. Like, Oh, you, you do every Wednesday and then all of a sudden it's next, next, you miss a couple weeks and then, then it becomes once a month and then you do three episodes in one week. No, um, you got to pick a day that you want to do it. Don't do two shows a week. I can tell you that, but pick a day throughout the week. Like, Oh, every Tuesday and then sure as shit, right? Like rain every Tuesday, be there with an episode. Um, that's how that helps you grow is consistency. That would be my, those are my tips to you. Take it serious. Research. Know what you're talking about while well, it comes from research, um, and be consistent. And from there, good luck to you. And dude, if you listening and you need help or you ever want a guest to come, I will gladly come on your show and help you out and promote your show. Um, yes, let me know. um, the other question: um, Best WHL fighter you saw that never went on and played pro hockey? Um, Matt Sommerfeld, uh, Tanner Lasan, um, would be the two off the top of my head. Um, I've 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 referenced Matt Sommerfeld on the show numerous times. S O M M E R F E L D. He Fought Bugard, Mazer, Morasti. Um, there's a bunch of his fights on my YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube and check it out, check him out. Um, he had great fight. Steve Mcintyre. Steve Mcintyre. I've I've talked about Sommerfeld on Facebook. Mcintyre as uh, I second that. He'll always say like that. Yeah, he had some great battles. Um, Matt Sommerfeld was awesome. Um, Tanner Tanner Lisanne, new age guy was in the like you know to, um, you know 2010 11 that that in there. Um, yeah, and he played. Uh, he played three seasons at Swift Current, uh, and then and then we, I, I believe just went to went to university and played um, senior after that. Um, You know, which hey, smart. You know, get on with your life, get on with education. Good for him. Um Actually, that he's from Saskatoon here. I'd love to uh, get a hold of him and talk to him. That was, again, that was kind of. I had stopped watching hockey at that point. I really wasn't paying much attention. But I remember a couple guys getting a hold of me like, you got to see this cat out and out in Swift Current, man. You got to check him out. Good shit. Um, wasn't a big guy, like he, you know, he was smaller on the smaller side, but would throw down like great wide open tilts. I incur- L E S A N N, Tanner LaSan. And of course, he's in the era where like all of his fights are on, you know, the site that shall not be on YouTube. We'll put it that way. I was gonna say hockeyfights.com. Oh, I said it, I don't want to say that. No, their name shall not be spoken out loud. Um, but yeah, all of his, he's in the era, of course, of internet TV and all that. So all his fights are out there. So you can watch Tanner with Good. So I highly encourage you to go down that rabbit hole. Tremendous. Um, yeah. Um, other than that, let's get into this player spotlight, shall we? None other than the missing link, Link Gates. Um, definitely, um, a real... I mean, the stories of Link Gates are legendary. Um, everyone has everyone has a Link Gates story, um, and and I mean, he obviously had his issues and brought it upon himself and the uh, alcoholism and everything else. Um, I don't know. I, I'm sure people listening to this show know. Maybe not everybody. Um, Link Gates after the uh, in the in the April of his. Uh, in, he, eh, the dev, jeez, spit it out, man, after his season in San Jose, his first full NHL season, that April, he was in a car accident um, in San Francisco, where he was a passenger, and uh, basically got ejected from the car, and ended up with brain damage, really, and he was paralyzed on the left side of his body, um, had to learn how to walk, and do everything over again, really. And, um, so that ended his NHL career. He tried a couple comebacks, um, didn't obviously work out. And then it's basically his life in the minors as uh, his like his minor league odyssey from there. Um, and yeah, and he ended up playing in the East coast league and the on and on and, and bounced around and, um, LNAH. So that's the thing when, um, I'm just going to focus on his NHL stuff with the spotlight here. But again, I mean, if you go on YouTube, there's a million, like all the link, like, Link Gates' LNH stuff is out there and and all that stuff. Um, When you're watching those LNH fights, yeah, it's like he's out of shape and he's, you know, whatever. He's like 300 pounds and whatever. But, I mean, the fights are fantastic. And, I mean, and he's fighting Brandon Sugden, Patrick Cote, Joel Terrio, And and he, well, put it he ain't losing. We'll put it that way. And And I've told this story on this show before, or this little tidbit, but... Uh, my friend was coaching the Laval Chiefs at the time, and he was, and Patrick Cote was there, um, and he was talking to Patrick Cote, who's legendary, and he's got his own issues, crazy dude, and crazy tough and massive, and I mean everybody's heard the Pat Cote stories too. Um, he asked him, what, Pat, Patrick Cote, what it was like fighting Link Gates, and he just shook his head and he said, "Man, he goes, I've hit Link Gates harder in the face than I have ever hit anyone." And all he did was grunt and keep coming, which is amazing when Cote hits you. Because Cote, if he hits you, it puts you down. And Gates, he said, just took it. It was like it was like Terminator, and just kept coming. And the thing is, is you have to remember this was after this is after the car accident. Out of shape, doesn't give a shit. Just whatever, Link Gates. Could you imagine what a in shape, primed up, gave a shit in San Jose, twenty four year old Link Gates would be like fighting? Oof. So that's the problem. And, and that's, and I always say that's the thing with, with Link. When you, when you come down to it and get away from the accident and the addictions and everything else, he should have had a 10 year NHL career. He should have been probert. Cause you talk to anybody. He was a second round pick. Yeah. Everybody knew the off ice issues that he was having, but on the ice, when he wanted to play, he was on defense, he could skate. He was big, could play. Like he was he was he would have been a real solid NHL. Like I'm not saying oh he would have been in all star games and everything. like no. But he was a solid player. Like he wasn't just the Looney Tune Link Gates that's gonna take you well, he would like he'd fight you at to drop the hat and everything else, but he could move the puck, he could skate. Um players on San Jose talk about when he was in the mood to practice, like when you were coming you weren't getting around him. You couldn't get by him, he could skate, do all the drills, he was excellent. Like he wasn't just some Like people, like I said, they see the 300-pound LNAH, Link Gates, and they just think, oh, that's the sack of shit that played to San Jose for a year. Yeah, he was in prime shape in San Jose and could rock and roll and, you know. Yeah, legit dude. But, um, yeah, let's get into this with Link Gates. Of course, like I said, he was a second-round pick uh, of the Minnesota North Stars. Um, Huge rep coming out of the Western Hockey League. Um, what's funny on my page, well, it's on YouTube, but on my fourth line voice on YouTube channel, um, the fight with him and Tony twist in Saskatoon and junior, when Link just gives it to him, that's on my channel. Um, actually I have, uh, the fight with James Lados is on there in, uh, from December 14th, 86. Um, that is actually Link Gates' first junior fight. Um, you know, 17 years old, um. Yeah, so check that out. His fight with Nick Fakoda in New Westminster is on my channel as well. That's a really good fight. Um Yeah, so his junior stuff is out there. Um Jay Stark, another really good fight in the Western League. Um, but yeah, if we get into his... In, and as I said, I mean, I could sit here all day and talk about his Cape Breton stuff against Jerry Fleming and Lois and all that. That's all on YouTube to check out. Um, again, all the fights that I'm going to bring up are on YouTube as well, so you can check, you can go and look at the fight that I'm talking about. Um, yeah, well, let's get into it. Um, 1988-89, he's with Minnesota. He plays a few preseason games. Um, his, is actually his first fight in the preseason, September 25th, 1988, against Dave Mackey. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's basically all Link. Link just, uh, um, uh, really really takes it to him and then um you know Mackie ends up pulling him down but um yeah so it's a real good strong strong opener for gates in the preseason um he then on October 1st he fights uh, garth butcher um I no that fight's not on video i don't i just I have a picture of the fight but I don't have uh, no one's seen video of that um but he makes the team. And then October 28th is Link Gates' first NHL regular season fight. And it's against none other than Joe Koser. Um, and it is a toe-to-toe battle. And, um, and it's not the one where he gets busted up. That's round two. Um, the first one, uh, yeah, basically, yeah, Link's playing defense. Coaster's c- coming down with him on the, uh, with the puck. Um, and, and Link just basically, um, stands him up and then kind of, kind of face washes him a little bit and then Coaster's kind of starts skating towards the into the corner where the puck is and Link basically punches Coaster in the back of the helmet knocks his helmet off so of course tur- Coaster turns around hey yeah you want a shot at the title and here we go um so they do the they do the big square off and um yeah yeah i mean basically just kind of go back and forth and it, and it's it, but and it's but it's a real strong showing for Link cuz i mean at that time Coaster big rep, you know uh was was pummeling people, and like here's the young kid, right, twenty years old, um, and and he looked great, and um, and then after that, I mean, caused some issues, and and he went back, to, and he went down to the IHL for the rest of the year, um, you know, but real strong showing early, um, then 1989, 1990, um, he fights Randy McKay, who's playing with Detroit at that time in the preseason. Again, that fight's not around. Um, but he starts the season in the minors again. Again, he's only 21 years old at this point. So, you know, back, you know, getting some seasoning. He's the, you know, high end pick. But the thing is, is of course he's causing all these problems off the ice with his drink and breaking curfew, fighting with teammates. So he's a real loose cannon, but it's like they're going to hold, they're going to hold on to him because of you see the potential of what he has, right? And you're going to try, of course, every team, they're going to try to fix him, right? Um, but he's, he's going through the IHL winning and pummeling guys in the IHL, when well, he gets called back up, and January 9th, he fights Joe Coaster again. And this is the fight that a lot of people, it's funny, when you bring up Link Gates in the NHL, and you bring it up, the course, in these fight groups and everything else, oh yeah, well, Joey sure gave him a licking and taught him a lesson, and, he, you know, and all this. Go watch that fight. I mean, he busts Link up above the eye. And he lands some solid shots on Gates. But Link doesn't cover up or back down. He's still coming at Coaster. Like I said with Link. And I like both guys. I'm not trying to be Link Homer here. But I'm giving you my honest my honest opinion and my honest take on the, on the thing. You can hit Gates. Like as I mentioned with the Kote quote. You can hit Gates with a bat. He's not going down. Like you're not going to drop him. So yeah, Coaster flat out drills him with right hands, and Link just keeps coming, and Link's firing shots back. It's not like this big. Like you listen, you read some of these guys' comments, you think it's some big one sided ass kicking. It's not. But I'll tell you what it is. Now, check this out when you're when you go back and rewatch this fight on YouTube. Listen to the announcers. All they do is pump up Coaster, and are basically talking how. He's manhandling Link Gates. But watch the video of what's actually happening. Link is standing there taking it and throwing punches back. Now, Koser lands the better shots. But again, it's not this overwhelming ass-kicking that everyone talks about. But if you listen to the, oh, he's in trouble. Joey's landing hammers and he's one of the toughest guys and he's learning a lesson. Okay, like just, no, It's Link's standing there. And Coaster, the best shot he gives him is when he knocks Link's helmet off. That's the best one. It cuts him above. And it's a cut in his eyebrow. It wasn't like he fractured his face or anything. But Gates is skating off and he wipes his eye. And you can see him shaking his head and he's mad at himself. But, I mean, you know, Ochoa oh, killed him. It's like, no, he didn't. You know, did Coaster... I'd give Coaster the W for sure. But it's not some, like, holy shit. Yeah, well, I guess this kid isn't anything. Like, no. And, again really is is his two regular season fights in two years have been against uh Joe Koser with you know uh, a late uh, a late 80s Joey Koser who was killing guys at the time uh, and he's links standing there taking it so it's like you know after that fight he goes down for, goes down to the IHL for the rest of the season and um yeah um the following year 1990 91. Um, actually it's, it's really funny early on in the preseason, the, uh, Minnesota goes over to Russia and, uh, they must've been playing a bunch of the the teams over there. Um, he ends up getting into it with like Igor Vaximinikin or something. And the video's on, it's funny because they kind of get tangled up and like basically just punches the guy with his glove on and like smacks him around and the guy tackles him and there's a scrum and... Of course, then over at Russia at that point, they're probably like, ooh, they're missing Link. This is crazy. Um, so they basically boot Link out of the game. As he's going off, Link starts waving his arms to the crowd and everything and, you know, just donkeying it up. But, uh, check, the the video is just humorous. It's just funny. Um, that, actually that year, he played a couple preseason games. He fought Daryl Stanley, Warren Reichel. Um, there's, there's a video of that, but, uh, and then he's, and then he goes to the IHL, um, for that year. Um, and I, and I think at this point, um, Minnesota had basically just grown tired of the antics and, uh, and, you know, it became clear that, uh, you know, they couldn't fix him, so to speak. And, uh, he actually got, he wasn't protected. And of course, this is the year that San Jose came into the NHL and he was uh, picked up in the expansion draft. And, um, and this is where, um, I, I I guess the 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 legend of Link Gates was born. Um, or or his, this was his coming out party. I mean, people knew him from the Western League or who had followed the minors and stuff like that. Oh, you got to see this missing link guy and all this, right? Well, this is where he finally came out. Ninety one, ninety two. Um, he played the full season in Santa. Well, he was suspended for a bunch of games, but he was he. Well, he was in the NHL for the full season. We'll put it that way. Um, uh, with the expansion Sharks on a on a real lousy Sharks team. Um uh, but. The cool thing with that being the team was so bad, Link got a lot of ice time. So of course, this is when it was, uh, we got to see what mi- the missing link could do in full time action in the NHL. And he really, um, and it, and it was fun. It was a fun ride and it was, uh, and, and it really gave you a glimpse of, and, and it's the, and it's also sad because it's the, you, you really get to see that what could have been, um, cause when you watch him in San Jose, you know, this is a, a 24 year old kid. I keep saying kid. He's not a kid at 24, but he's he's basically a 24 year old finally given an opportunity to show what he could do on the on the biggest stage, um, and and he does really and he does great, um, including a, a highlight fight with Bob Probert, who at that point in 1990 I would say is prime Probert, and Link Gates goes toe to toe with him. Doesn't give an inch gives as good as he gets. I'd call it a draw. I mean, I don't think anybody could yell winner either way. There's blood flying and they That's one of that. That's one of It's link gates best NHL fight of all time I'd say it was one of proberts best NHL fights of all time Just do it, it wasn't the marathon battle that McSorley's was was his fight with McSorley or even Domi, but it was a short like 15 second violent violent exchange and you could tell they were both punching with bad intentions, and um, and like I said, Link Gates, it's coming for him. knew what he had to do, and it's like if you're gonna make a name for yourself, because at that point, Link Gates to a lot of people was like, who he's got? The, who's this? Got a, this guy with the crazy name and the blonde hair, and this big dude that's like the same size as Probert, but it's like, who is this? And it's like, well, I'll show you who I am, and it that was awesome. But uh, you know, but before we get into that, the Probert fight was in November. We'll we'll uh, we'll talk about a few fights before that. Um, all right, sorry, folks, we're going stopping and starting and stopping and starting. Um, yeah, like I said, kind uh, of we kind of roll into uh, Links. Like really, his his legit only uh, first first and only full season in the NHL, and um, starts off strong, September fourteenth, nineteen ninety one, uh, preseason. He fights, uh, Sean Antosky, another up and comer. Um, a high draft pick by the Canucks. Um, and yeah, and, and, uh, and, and Link is just all over him. Um, really, he, he just kind of, uh, he doesn't drop him, but kind of just one of those just like kind of pummels him into the ice and Antosky, Antosky to his credit gets back up and Link kind of pummels him down into the ice again. Um, yeah, it, um, yeah, it was a real, real, again, a real strong showing for Gates. Um, then he fights Herb Ragland, kind of an undersized, but, you know, gritty, kind of a tough guy. It was kind of quick, not much. Um, and then he fights Al, Alan Stewart of New Jersey. And, um, yeah, kind of just, he's just kind of all over him. Um, you know, gets the lefts going, kind of pummels him down again. Um, and in the same game, he fights Randy McKay. These were all preseason fights. Um, of course Randy McKay coming up a month later. Uh there's that big uh kind of TKO. But in this one, um, I couldn't f I, I swear I've seen this fight, but I, I couldn't uh I couldn't find it on YouTube. But it was a fairly um, a fairly decent back and forth fight with McKay. Um, but then we go into the regular season, it's October nineteenth. Um, he fights Al Stewart again, but Al Stewart has been picked up by the Boston Bruins at this point. And um, this is just classic uh, Boston announcers. Um, Sanderson's Sanderson's embarrassing. Like, just... Like, the fight... Gates is kind of hitting Stewart with lefts. And, I mean, Stewart, to his credit, doesn't go down and kind of fires some half-assed shots back. But nothing, like, of any real scoring value. And, of course, oh, yeah... Al Stewart landing twelve laughs, you know, and it's like, oh god, it's like, no, he didn't. Like, it's, um, you know, and they're, oh, he, he really gave it to him, and it's just like, you know, I'm just waiting for, you know, Al's just out here wanting to play hockey. I was waiting for him to say that one. Um, yeah, it's it, it. I don't know. I mean, Link is so Stewart obviously landed something because Link was cut and everything, but it's just like, um. Yeah, it's, there's the announcers, oh, Sanders is so bad. But yeah, but, um, you know, and then of course, uh, October 26th, he fights Randy McKay, and that's the one where they're squaring off, and, uh, and, and I, and I love Randy McKay, tough guy, and everything else, but Link just catches him, um, just a solid right hand, and, and basically McKay kind of goes flying backwards and lands on his ass, and, I mean he gets up. It's not like he's lying there, but he gets up. But yeah, it was like one of those flash knockdowns. And um yeah, just a solid right hand by Gates. That was the other thing with Link. I mean he could throw both had power in both hands and uh yeah, he just caught him. And then uh Dave Maley fights him later in the game. I mean, obviously to kind of get some revenge, I'm sure, and for his fallen teammate and I mean it's a quick fight. I mean Gates grabs him and kinda of hits him a few times and Maley basically just wrestles. Um, the crowd actually in New Jersey is really booing the shit out of him after the fight. Um, but yeah, Maley just kind of hung on. Um, you know, and then, uh, that was October 26th and November 14th in the Cow Palace in San Jose. As I said, it was the, you know, the fight with Probert that everybody's waiting to see and they didn't disappoint. And, and I mean, and that's why I always say that, that gave you a glimpse into what Link could have been. Was that fight with Probert and, um. Like I said, there there was no winner or loser in that fight, and uh you know, that's prime Probert and, and Link is with him punch for punch and uh yeah, it, that that was a great tilt. Um you one of the yeah, one of Probert's better fights in his career, and definitely Link's best NHL. Well, I mean I guess like I mean you have the knock on McKay, or whatever, but I mean in in terms of actual back and forth toe to toe, like holy shit, I mean that was Link Gates by far Gates' best fight. And now a message from our sponsors. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today. Opt in and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game, and if it doesn't hit, you'll get a free bet back. Yep, March 1st deadline coming up. Already some moves. Kevin Durant going to Phoenix. That's interesting. Uh, Utah picked up Westbrook. Looking to buy him out now. So what contending team is going to pick up him for the run in the playoffs? Keep an eye on that, folks. So download the app now. Sign up with the code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Then he fights um, Mike Hartman. Again, Hartman, always a game guy. But yeah, I mean, Link was kind of... It was quick and Link was kind of all over him. Um, Then the the next fight, he fights Lee Norwood. And again, it's not like Lee Norwood. But Lee Norwood was a big guy, but he wasn't some killer fighter. But I mean, man, they're kind of... um, This is one of the rare fights, and it's always funny... You know, because Link gets the reputation. That it, well, not the he, not he get he has the rep. It's not even a reputation; it's the truth. But, but he's like the crazy guy and everything else. And off the ICI yeah, he obviously he was. That's why a million stories of him. But, um, you watch the fights. He's 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 a he's a square off guy. Like he's not a jump guy. He squares off. Um, when it's over, it's over. I mean, you know, I mean. For all these guys that love the code, the code, you know, Link was kind of, yeah. I mean, he didn't, he's not, a, he wasn't a cheap shot guy. He wasn't. Um, and, but there was a couple times that he got mad, wound up. Um, Norwood won this fight was a, kind of, but I think he was more mad at the linesman. Um, cause they're kind of getting into it. And, um, is it Maroweli? One of the linesmen, they basically grabbed, uh, Link by the back of his, uh, like to come up from behind him and grab him by the back of his jersey and like just pull him down. And like Norwood falls on top of him. And it's just like, what are you doing? And like Link eventually stands up and he's like kind of trying to get at Norwood. Like you could just tell he's kind of mad. And it's not Norwood's fault. It was the ref that took him down. And it's like, I don't know what they were doing. If I was Gates, I would have been pissed too. But it's, but it's, you go back, you like the video, like I said, it's on YouTube. You check it out. And there's always a, uh, if Link was as crazy as everyone thought he was, like, yeah, I was surprised he didn't like pop the liney, you know, cause it's like, yeah, he's choked. But, um, yeah, but the fight wasn't anything, but it was just, you could see he was mad. Um, then January 25th, he fights Kelly Buckberger. Again, I'm, a, I like Buckberger and, and he was always game and would, would never back down. But yeah, like Link was just like hitting him with like right uppercuts and like, it was all Link. It was, a, it was a beating, and he busted up Buckberger, and yeah. So, big win for Link. Um, uh, the next fight is, uh, actually, uh, February, he fights Mike Peluso. Um, and, and they both, a big square off, they both start out strong, and they both start throwing left hands. And then there's kind of, they have this awkward sort of, then they grab, there's a grappling, and Link kind of has the advantage over him grappling, and he starts hitting him with right, kind of, like, Peluso's, like, bent over at the waist, and Link's kind of leaning down on him, and he kind of catches Peluso with a couple of right uppercuts, and one of them kind of, I don't want to say drops him, but, like, you could it hit, you know, and so and Peluso just kind of hit, falls to the ice, while well, Link is, like, kind of wrapped up with him and goes down and watch, you can see Link hits his forehead off the ice when he goes down, he gets up right away, but... Yeah, he hits hard. You can see it on the, clearest clear as day. And it's like, but it was a good fight. They had a really solid, uh, toe-to-toe exchange at right up, like really quick off the start. Um, I don't want to drop your gloves. They call it a big TKO. I don't know if I'd call it a TKO, but he definitely caught Paluso. Um, uh, then later, February 21st, he actually fights Ojik twice. Um, yeah, the first, the first one, the round, round one, um, you know he he catches Gino with a right and they're kind of grappling and stuff and then like Link's kind of starting to take it to him and Ojik basically he, what well, he he grabs Link by the pants lifts him up and he dumps him and Link is pissed when he gets up and they're breaking up and you can see Gates yelling at him and whatever and um so later in the game Link goes back after him and he grabs Ojik and starts punching him and Gino doesn't drop his gloves or his stick or anything and Gates hits him a bunch of times and Ojik goes down. Link doesn't hit him when he's down, but he's just kind of skates away, shaking his head and whatever. I don't know. It was always kind of, yeah, like I don't... well, like, and that, and that's the thing. And I mean, you know, not to speak ill of the dead or anything. I mean, but we're just, we're, we're fight fans talking. Um, OJ kind of did shit like that. That kind of, that's why I was never a huge Gino fan. Um, not that I have any problem with the cheap, sh- like, whatever, everyone does cheap shit. I'm not, I'm a not holding that again, like a sucker punch of casparitis and what, you know, casparitis deserved it, who cares, but it, the one on Todd Harvey was pretty push and stuff like that. Like, Ojuk did shit like that, but he did this with Link, and then he kind of, he did the same, like, he he used to do that shit with Twist, too, with, you know, and he kind of, I don't know, it was just, I never, Ojuk kind of pulled some shit every once in a while that was kind of, it kind of irked me. Like, he was a tough enough dude, he didn't need to do that. Um, like even in the first fight with Gates, like he catches Link. There's that famous picture, the overhead picture of Link, of him catching Link with a right hand. Like, it's a good solid shot. I mean, Link doesn't go down. I mean, they go back and forth and, and like, but Gino was a tough enough dude. He didn't kind of need to do that shit. And it was, it always kind of bugged me that he did. Um, but anyway, um, then he fights Martin Samar. That really isn't a, he just kind of smothers him, hits him back and forth. Um, then he fights Greg Smith, which is funny because Smith, of course, has the minor league reputation of Link Gates, too. I mean, he's crazy with his stick and everything else. Um, actually, it was actually a really good fight. Link starts strong and he's like giving it to him. And actually, Smith makes a comeback. And, um, you know, I mean, he's busted up and stuff, but, you know, he comes back and he doesn't go down and he's taking some shots, but he comes back and lands a few of his own. Um, I. I'd probably, if, you know, if I had to give, I'd give Link the win on points. But, yeah, Smith's right in there with him. Um And then the final uh kind of, um, his, well, really, yeah, it's his last NHL incident is with Troy Loney. It's right at the end of the game. And Link actually, the buzzer goes to the end of the third period, and Link leaves the penalty box and kind of jumps in the pile. And nothing really happens. I mean, he grabs Loney for whatever reason, but nothing happens. And he ended up getting a 10-game suspension for that. And uh, that was a lot. And, and then that that March, April, that April, um, um, I didn't remember, I didn't remember this until I read up when I was kind of just, uh, you know, going through things. Um, in April, there was like a 10 day kind of player strike. Uh, well, during that strike, Link was out in San Francisco drinking and that's when he got into the car accident. And, uh, yeah, he never, he, he never came back from that. Um, but I was kind of looking up, there was this book called, uh, uh, a hundred, San Jose shark players that the fans should know or something like that. And, uh, they have a chapter on, on the, um, on link gates. And, um, yeah, it was kind of interesting. Um, yeah, link had the body of Adonis was good looking like a movie star had all the skill in the world and was as tough as anybody in the ice today. He'd be worth $6 million. Also today he'd be lucky to be alive. Uh, Gates came via a dispersal draft with Minnesota, that supplied the Sharks with their first 24 players. San Jose's director of player personnel of Gates' selection. He's one of the meanest kids playing hockey. In fact, I think he's the meanest kid living. <laughs> when the North, yeah, uh, fitting Gates showed up at the draft with two black eyes, the result of a bar fight the night before. Um, he was very unpredictable for the, short, for the short period of time, made him very effective, Barry and a shark from 91 to 93. But then with that type of personality, everything starts to implode, and his life became a train wreck on and off the ice. It wasn't a train wreck, but rather a car accident that nearly ended Gates' life. Riding a passenger with a friend, Early April ninety two, as the NHL season paused during a ten day player strike, Gates sustained a bruised brain stem and was left semi-comatose for eight days after getting thrown from a speeding car on the South San Francisco off ramp in mid morning. Gates' mother, summoned from the family home in Vancouver, sat vigil in the hospital by her ailing son's side. Gates pulled through, partially paralyzed on his left side with no recollection of the accident. His friend and the driver, Patrick Bell, was charged with driving under the influence. Months later, Gates confounded doctors by regaining movement and speech through therapy. He returned to the ice and skated twice a week by late summer. The Sharks were set to give Gates another chance until he was arrested and convicted of drunk driving in the fall. San Jose gave up and traded the 23-year-old to Edmonton for a 10th round draft choice. I'm just throwing my hands up in the air, Lombardi said at the time. Rewind months earlier, Gates was the talk of the early season. Uh, Gates became an instant cult hero as the team's rapid new fans gravitated to the most intimidating young player in the game. Gates scored goals here and there, but bought patrons out of their seats with his fights. Gates dropped the gloves 14 times. No more hype than anticipated in the early season bout with Bob Probert, who was regarded as the league's reigning champ. Gates and Probert waged a brutal battle that ended in a draw. Both players exhausted, but still on their feet, just like the fans inside the Cow Palace. Link was the only guy I played with who I was actually scared for guys on the other team, said Jeff Auders, a tough customer in his own right. When he went over the edge, he didn't care if he speared you or took out one of your eyes. As a teammate, you didn't know what he was going to do. Odgers experienced this uncertainty firsthand. Opposite gates during a scrimmage, Audrey stepped in for a teammate that Gates had been giving it to and then the, and then came the moment of truth. We were face to face and that was the closest we'd ever been to going, Audrey recalls. He just kind of looked at me. There was a fine line between crazy and stupid and I was hedging on stupid. I'm not going to lie. I'm glad it didn't happen. Even if Gates wasn't in the mood to fight teammates always had to be on their lookout, primarily a defenseman. When someone skated up at forward, gates didn't like getting beat in practice depending what day it was you had to read him if you made a move and went by him he might swing his stick and you'd hear it go right by your ear kelly kissio said next time you'd go down on the other side it was just whatever way he was twisted if he was into it he wouldn't get beat audrey says forwards start on the goal line defense skate backwards from the hash marks they blow the whistle and you go when he wanted to we didn't have a guy on the team who could beat him Gates' unpredictable behavior was not restricted to practice either. Berezan, also a teammate with Gates previously in Minnesota, remembers when the Sharks visited Detroit for the first time and Gates played forward on his line. We go, out for a we, we go out on our first shift, we get scored on, minus one. Go out for the second shift, we get scored on, minus two. On the bench, it's like, come on, guys, let's get it going. Then the third shift, minus three. I looked at Lincoln, he says to me, Perry, you know what? I just don't feel like playing tonight. We go up for the next shift, and sure enough, we get scored on. Link leaves the ice, goes right into the locker room. Are you kidding? One of the coaches says, go get him. I'm thinking, wait a minute. If you're going to to get him, don't put him back on my line. Gates was convinced to return and finished at minus 5 as the Sharks lost 11-1. Yeah, he was an exceptional physical specimen. He was a monster. He could shoot the puck. He could skate. He could handle it all. He was tough. Some days he wanted to play. Some days, well... Kisio was one of the among uh, one of the veterans who took turns rooming with Gates on the road. The thinking was Gates would learn better habits if he spent as much time as possible with San Jose veterans, strong character guys. When asked how th- when asked how that worked out, Kisio said, "I know nothing. I see nothing." Beresin recalls the sight of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police surrounding the team plane upon arrival in Vancouver Airport for a game that night. A month earlier, we all started in. Hey, Link, they're coming for you. Beresin said. And you know what? They were coming after him. The missing link no more. Gates was arrested on three outstanding warrants. Like anyone who watched the Sharks saw so much potential in Link when he applied himself. The game came easy to him. A guy like me, I lived in the weight room all summer, said Audres, who made himself into an NHL player after going undrafted. Link kind of lifted and kind of didn't. He'd come in there, lay down on the bench, put 225 on, do like 12 reps as a warm-up, and I'm just like, oh my God. Uh, in what turned out to be Link's final game was the Shark March six, ninety two. 92. He bolted from the penalty box to engage Troy Loney after the final horn and a 7-3 win by the Penguins at the Cow Palace, earning a 10-game suspension for his actions, and the team was fined 25000 The one question you always ask, what if Link ever got straightened out, or if he could get mo- motivated and dedicated, Audrey said. It's unbelievable what he could have done. Yeah, so, I mean, there there's the, um... Um, what actually what people might not know is uh like I said, he he was with the Oilers, Seder gave him a shot. Um he ended up he was down in Cape Breton in the American League kind of rehabbing, um like trying to see if he'd get ready early, see October, November. He had some awesome fights with uh Fleming. Um he actually caught by Lois, um, probably TKO of Frank. And again, as I just read, right, this is a guy coming back from basically death. And uh but he ended up, like, I think he threw a skate at the trainer or something, and it was just like, yeah, that was the end of Link. Um, and then he went and played in the CHL and uh, played in the Central League um, with Memphis for the season. And I know he played roller hockey in the RHI. And he ended up punching out a trainer there, got kicked off the team. Um, he ended up actually trying out with the Canucks. And uh, my friend Tony has been on this show. He actually had a camcorder down there. And recorded Gates fighting, uh, Scott Walker. Uh, if you want to check that out, good fight. It, Link kind of takes it to him, but I mean, obviously he's a lot bigger than Walker is, but, um, that footage is on my YouTube channel as well. Um, but that, yeah, you know, he didn't make the team or whatever. And then, uh, that was it. Then started kind of the, the, the nomad existence of him throughout the minors. I mean, you know, he we went to the UHL and, um, or the Colonial League, pardon me, of Madison and, um, you know, ended up, he was in Nova Scotia for a bit. Then, of course, in 2001, 2002, that's when he, you know, got into the LNAH. And he was actually in the LNAH for uh four years. Um, and eventually managed to uh, get kicked out of that. And, and I mean, it's some of the, but, I mean, he fit right in with the Quebec thing, with the stick fights, and he ended up, there was a big brawl. He was in street clothes. And he ended up fighting the other team's trainer. That's with Verdun. If you want to look up, look up uh, uh, St. Jean and uh, Verdun brawl. Link Gates, yeah, you could see him fighting the trainer, <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, the crazy Quebec League, um, yeah, and then and then he finished up. And there was a there was a league for a season out in the Maritimes. Um, I can't remember it was the Continental Elite League or something. Um, he had a bunch of fights, um, and then that was it. And that was in oh five oh six was the last we saw of Link Gates, um, and then he went into that Hockey Enforcers tournament, and uh, unfortunately lost to Steve Reed uh, in the first round. And, uh, that was the end of the missing link in hockey. Um, he has bounced around. There's always, hey, has anybody seen Link? There's sightings here and there. Um, last that I know, he is working at Fort McMurray on the rigs. Um, actually, I had a couple people can't stand a fourth. He was in, actually, Link ended up in, uh, Fountain Tire in Lloyd Minster and, uh, can't talk to him for a while. Got a picture taken with him. Link looked good, actually. Uh, lost a bunch of weight and, um, you know, I mean, for a guy like that, I mean, the dude's a cat, man, with nine lives with the, what he's gone through. Um, but yeah, he looked good. Um, you know, I know he was in Edmonton, he was living in Edmonton for a while and he was still, you know, drinking and causing, there was a bunch of drunken disorderlies on the weekend. But, uh, uh, other than that, I last I heard he's out in, in Fort Mac working on the rigs. So, yeah. Uh, but what a, what a story. I mean, I mean, you could make a movie of that guy. Actually somebody like if they made a documentary of it, people wouldn't with the, so the stories that I've heard and i have had guys on the show and I've heard off air. I mean, everyone, the older guys, everyone has a link story and, um, you know, a troubled individual and, uh, you know, obviously addiction and everything else. But, um, unfortunately the, the car accident was the big thing. And, um, yeah, and and it's too bad because it, it, I mean, that's always, that's the giant what if, right? Is Link Gates, really. But yeah, that's it, right? Uh, it ends up, you know, 65 career NHL games, 14 points, 412 minutes and penalties and 27 tilts. Um, that's including preseason. Um, that's it. I mean, and like I said, I think when you bring up Link Gates, I think a lot of people just, I mean, they just, you just assume he's a, cause you just hear the name and whatever, you just, I think people assumed he was around for really, for a long time in the NHL, and he wasn't. Um, But, uh, yeah, it was an interesting look, like I said. Um, Dominant fighter, um, could have been one of the greats. Like, that's why I say, if he had played the 10 years and, like, didn't get in the car accident and, like, kind of legitimately kind of maybe could have... Because that's the thing, I mean, let's face it, I mean, he was a drinker guy and whatever and would cause shit off the ice. I mean, he ain't alone. I mean, you know, really, I mean, not talking out of school or whatever, but I mean, like, look at Probert and all the issues he had, and look how dominant he was, I mean, you know, was was Link Gates really any worse than Bob Probert with off-the-ice stuff? I mean, you know, probably not, I mean, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other, really, Um, and there, I mean, there was a million guys back in the day, I mean, hockey players, you know, drinking and partying and causing shit, I mean, that, you know, are we really talking about anything that's that, like, you know, oh, really, like, I mean, um, you know, Link obviously took it to the extreme, but it's like, you know, I, I don't think there was probably, you know, I mean, Brant Myers, his book talks about it, and Probert and his exploits, and I mean, you know, I think Link's right in there with them, and of course, you know, Probert, well, Probert managed to put it together for, you know, 900 games, but um, yeah, if Link could have just, you know, harnessed it a little bit or maybe gave a shit, and um, yeah, I, I think he would, uh, with his skills could throw with both hands, have the size, could like have the chin, could take it. Um, I I think we're talking, he could have been one of the all timers. Uh, that's, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to, you know, like big hot take or, you know, whatever. No, I really legitimately, I'm not saying, oh, he'd be the greatest of all time, but I mean, I think he would be in a, you know, a, a top 20 all time discussion if he had played 10 years and, you know, it stayed on the path that he was in in San Jose in terms of his fighting ability and, and, um, you know, So, but there we go, the player spotlight on the missing link, Link Gates, and, uh, hope you guys enjoyed it, and, uh, like I said, I've talked long enough, and I actually have to end up recording, I gotta go record the, uh, an intro and another episode, so, um, yeah, I'll shut this one down, um, as I said, I'm, uh, I want to thank you guys for tuning in, as always, and, um, thanks guys, I'm gonna say I'll talk to you soon, but, like I said, I'm out in Vegas here, so you're, yeah, you're, it's like back to the future. I'm in a time warp right now as you're, as you're listening, but, uh, I will be back. Um, what did I say I was going to do with this show? Sunday. This is going to be Sunday. So Wednesday, um, I will, no, I'll pre-record. I'll be uploading it, but it's, um, uh, it'll be my conversation with Chris about the Rob Ray Tidomi feud. Um, so until then talk to you guys later. Thanks everybody.